0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: welcome to a very special edition of the Pangeway podcast. We're going to call this our EOD edition, and it times out pretty perfectly because this week, uh, Russ Ho's episode came out with our first EOD tech on the uh, long form of the podcast, so kind of nice to bring some more perspectives in here. Uh, we have with us today, uh, Russ will be joining us here in a few minutes, uh, but we have Sean Johnson, who is on Russ's team, uh, one of his technicians. And we have Mario Kovac, who uh, am I saying that right, Kovac or Kovach?
2: Yeah, Kovach, same thing. Mario, point and grunt, that all works. <laughs> there we go. Who was uh an Air Force EOD tech
1: uh, when we arrived at Spurwingar. And uh so he'll have to defend himself against the inter service rivalry by himself today. Uh Mario, I do have to say my one shining memory of the Air Force EOD guys was when you made us run a 5K like three days after we got to the cop, and we were pretty much we were pretty bitter about that.
3: Yeah, but weren't you guys in a bomb suit?
1: I was, yeah,
3: yeah. And I was like, no, man, I ain't gonna give him any crap for that because he did it
1: uh in the suit. So <laughs> that's true. Damn, it's a sliding scale of misery, I guess. And you guys, I, I guess you guys were with us a lot longer than I thought you were. I thought you guys left pretty fast, but you guys were there for a couple months, right?
2: Yeah, so we got in the country end of December 2011, and we were one of the, you know, probably 30-person 30, 30, 30 30 team, and just like Army OD, we get, you know, pushed out everywhere, and they didn't know where the hell they were going to put us, so we were at this place called Folad or SP Folad or whatever for – probably like five days and that was about to get shut down slash overrun. So then we went to Shoja for about a week or two weeks, holed up with some other EOD guys until leadership figured out where they were going to put us. And then they put us at Spirwan Gar. And so I think we got there maybe middle to end of January. And I think we were there until, yeah, you guys showed up, I think, in May We got there time in, frame. We got there in March, like end of March, middle to end of March. Yeah, March. March. Yeah. Okay. And then, So, yeah. Yeah.
1: And then after you guys, we had another EOD team, and then we had Sean. And, Sean, you were there with us with uh, Russ, right?
4: Yep. Yep. I was there with Russ and Aaron.
1: Yep. Our, our three-man super team. So it was uh, it was interesting that we had had you guys kind of permanently on the cop with us. I'm not, you know, Stuart. You deployed to Afghanistan previously. I'm assuming you did not have an EOD team on your cop in uh, Pactia.
0: We did not. Uh, if we had to call EOD, it would
3: take them a couple hours to get to us. So we consequently never called EOD,
1: <laughs> which is kind of like the the running. Yeah. Gag against EOD, right? It's like, oh
3: fuck, we'll just sit here and wait for EOD for four hours. So, but also, EOD or er, uh, IEDs were not a threat. Well, sure. not a big threat up in the mountains. Um, and the only threat was on uh, the KG pass, like the road. Right, right. So route clearance would be going through there quite frequently. That was kind of the the IED um, threat. So I'm sure they dealt with it, you know, at, at a higher level. But at the dismount level that wasn't an, an issue or a threat, so it wasn't really that that big deal. Sure.
1: So we we don't hold it too much against you. But what that was never really our problem. It's, you know, we knew it was going to take you four hours to walk to us if we took four hours to walk to the IED that we found. So uh, I think we just kind of got into the habit of not calling, kind of like Stuart said, just like, no, it's just not. We're just going to leave that alone. <laughs> uh, Mario, did you have any deployments uh, before? The yeah, period?
2: yeah. I had a few before that, uh, Balad or Anaconda, as the Army knows it. Oh six, oh seven, uh, Baghdad, uh, the Mamadia area. Oh eight to oh nine. Um, spent some time in Germany, standing up a deployment transition center, helping people come back from combat stateside. And then my fifth and final deployment was. The one with you guys in Afghanistan,
1: Jeez, and Sean, you were like most of our guys. This was uh, it was 2012. Your one, and, one and done. What? I think we lost him for a sec. I don't. I don't know
4: what's. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with the internet right now. Can you hear me? Uh,
1: yeah, I got you. Can you hear us?
4: Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Was
1: uh, was 2012 your your first?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was, we actually, my whole company for the most part, uh, aside from uh, team leaders, I think it was, we were all pretty fresh.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty, I think it was pretty common in that time. You know, the units that were on, it's just like the way the rotations worked out. I think almost everybody we've talked to, at least 75% of the people was their first. And for a lot of them, like their only real combat deployment. I think it was just the uh, nature of it, of the timing and stuff. So, just a weird time in the war on terror. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a lot different than, uh,
4: I, well, being out in Paraguay was a lot different than, you know, all the stories you heard from guys that had, like, previous deployments and stuff.
1: And when you guys, you guys spent a little bit of your deployment somewhere else before you came to us, like, uh, Russ was talking to us a little bit about that in his episode, um, right. you got out long route one, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really
4: talk much about, I guess, stuff. So I guess timeline wise, my memory's pretty bad. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, when, when Russ first, you know, got to, I think it, it was Bullard. I think, that, I think that's what it was called Bullard or something. Um, up there in the snow. Um, I was up there with him. Uh, it was like my first place we went to, um, and then, uh, after that, I went down to, oh man, I don't even remember the name, the name of it, but we were down there working with, uh,
1: the Romanians.
4: We did nothing. Like, honestly, literally didn't do anything. It was like the most boring time ever for me. Um, like we pretty much, like we had this hard stand building, um, and we were just basically building up an EOD shop there. Um, cause I think. We were the first team to be on that on that base, uh, like permanently. So that's pretty much what we did. We just built stuff up. Cool. Well, while then we after uh, that, yeah, um, then, and then after that, I went to I want to say I went to Log- logman for a bit, and then. After that, I think, because I, I wasn't when I when I initially deployed, I wasn't on Russ's team. Uh, oh. I deployed with a different team leader, and then they kind of like did some shifting and stuff. Um, so then I ended mm-hmm. up being with Russ and Aaron, which was the best thing that ever happened. You know, it was such a good time working with you guys. Yeah, it
1: definitely wasn't boring. I can. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was not boring. So while we wait for uh, for Russ, I I kind of curious to hear your guys' – what what your training was like. Uh, you know how what the EOD school is like because it's a combined school, right? All the services go to the same school. Yep. So I kind of give you two the the floor and kind of let you tell us a little bit about the. Obviously, there's stuff you can't tell us, but whatever you can tell us about your EOD training and what it was kind of like to to pick that MOS and the the training you went to before you ever you know, went out the wire. Cool. Yeah. Or I mean, I guess, go? I guess
4: you can go. Yeah. You can go and talk. Uh, you, you probably went to school right. a little bit before I did. So.
2: Yeah. I, it may have been before the wheel was invented. I'm not sure.
0: But, uh.
2: <laughs> nah. Uh, I'm even for air force EOD. I'm kind of different. Uh, I refer to people like us as hybrids. And what I mean by that is uh, we came in the military and came into EOD before 9-11. So I came in at 98 uh, before, you know, the the G-Watt era. And, you know, we were going through school. And so this was halfway through the transition from EOD school from, Uh, where it originally was in Indian Head, Maryland, down to Eglin Air Force Base. Uh, And so I went through EOD school halfway through Eglin, and then halfway I went up to Indian Head, the original EOD school, and I was one of the – I was the third to last class to graduate from EOD school, the original one. So that's kind of weird. And then after 9-11 happened, and I'm still a young EOD guy, 9-11 happened, our focus in Air Force EOD shifted completely uh, from, you know, because every service has their own unique mission set. And it's, you know, service rivalry is great, and I love it. But our differences are are our strengths, I think. You know, uh, it's a good thing that our Army EOD – has their own unique mission set same with air force eod and marines and and every other service um but yeah with with how we were going how it shifted from taking care of aircraft and all that to supplementing uh sister services or isaf or coalition forces um we had to do a lot of uh, <laughs> shooting from the hip, uh, uh, big level stuff and really drinking from the fire hose when we get boots on ground. So,
1: Yeah. And I mean, that was something that, you know, the military working dog community also kind of ran into. Like they went from guarding checkpoints to going out on patrols. I mean, and obviously they'd still had patrol dogs within soft and stuff, but it was unusual for, you know, a navy EOD hand- or not EOD, EOD military working dog handler. You're like walking around with a bunch of infantrymen. Like it was just they were, everything was changing so fast and I don't think they ever really got a handle on it.
2: Yeah, no, I know I know that they're very similar to us in our stateside mission and deployed mission. It it's very supplementary. Um, you know, we have similar roles as enablers, if you will. That's how we saw it. Um but our time there at Spirouan Gar with you know some of the uh, the dog handlers that were there, I mean, uh, I remember working with Jonesy and Roy Ball, and um, those were some of the the most professional guys I'd ever worked with uh, personally, professionally, and yeah. So we we kind of had our own thing in the EOD hoots. You know, we would we would be playing poker a little bit when. You know, in the evenings, because you need to blow off some steam, but we had each other, I guess. We were the misfits, the redheaded stepchildren. <laughs> well, and you, I think your, uh, your poker nights out at the, uh,
1: the EOD shack became the poker nights in the, in the big building. And, like, yeah, I know that Sean and his guys, they kept having the poker nights over in the EOD shack. So, like, honestly, I mean, that's the kind of shit that gets everybody by. You know, whether it's poker night with you guys or going and playing with the dog in the the kennel or, I don't know, I mean, like, not only do you guys bring, like, a little bit of comfort (laughs) to the fight, like, okay, we're good on this mission, EOD's here, like, I don't have to clear across this road, or it's like, hey, the dog is here, like, the dog can sniff out that or whatever, but then when we get back, that you guys, we kind of had less rules than we did so it was nice to 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 hang out with you guys where we weren't going to worry about getting yelled at for having our ifac in the wrong pocket or whatever
2: yeah it's interesting uh some of the daily struggles that some you guys would have versus what some daily struggles for us look like and it was interesting it was almost like sometimes being air force eod but in that location was almost like being a fly on the wall sure. so you know um some previous deployments i without when i was new i didn't really appreciate the differences and i didn't really look for the opportunities to see how not just myself, but as our EOD team, we could support whatever unit we were supporting and whatever mission and role we were. Uh, So there were a a deployment or two where I didn't step up and, you know, offer those supplementary services, the training or whatever the unit needed. And so I made it a point to at least try and stick around the talk and go to the daily briefings, especially during that time when there was the transition of units coming in and like ho talked about in his podcast trying to be that continuity between the incoming and outgoing you know we try to do that for ho's team that replaced us we try to do and supplement as best as we could for for you guys that were coming in um but at the same time we have our limitations too You know, um, man, we would have loved to have done a whole lot, but it's really easy for them to not like something that we're doing and just replace us immediately. Sure,
1: now, uh, well, I wanted to ask you guys way, way off topic, and it's not that like, (laughs) like, it's just been a question was burning my head like, what is it like to crawl up to, or stand over, or stand next to, like, a live? ied knowing that like someone with like a second grade ed- education put that thing together like what's what's going through your head is like you're kind of processing that sean um
4: i mean so when, when i was out with you guys um i mean russ russ is just a man you know um so i mean being being with him and working with him um there's just a good feeling known um uh, but i don't think that out there, I really, I really had that opportunity. Cause I mean, when you're talking about like that, you know, that appointment, um, you know, you're leading up go, getting ready to go overseas in general. And then um, as a team member, you know, like your sole job and what you're trying to do, or at least what I was trying to do um, was to always like, you know, have whatever my team leader needed prepared, try to learn how, like how they work, how they operate. Um, and then, you know, when we we go out to Panjouay, like all that changed. you know, like we weren't in a truck anymore. So then it was like, we go out on one mission and I'm carrying this one day. And then you're like, well, maybe I don't need to carry that. Maybe I need to carry this. Um, So for me out there, never really had that opportunity. Um, just because, I mean, obviously working near, near with, uh, with Russ, but, um, some other places. Uh, I was working with different team leaders on that deployment. Before we had gotten there, um, we worked on some pretty, pretty large IEDs um, and got, you know, relatively close. I can, I can remember like the first IED I went down on when uh, I was working with a working with a team leader at the time, and um, we have like these team leader certification things, you know, that you you've, you've got to get done. And he was he was like, man, you know, like you just need to come down here with me. And I was like, all right, let's do it. You know. Um, so I go I go down there with him, and like the first time being right there, and he's like, oh, here it is. And I was like, oh wow, you know, it's pretty crazy, It's kind of surreal to think about. Um, like especially because a couple of days before that, we had had a uh, an A and a guy uh, get blown up. I mean, get launched. Uh, so it was like, wow, that's crazy that we're like sitting right here, you know um so that's like my my experience um as far as that goes
1: and like how did you train for that like what was uh i mean because we always talk about like the pre-deployment training and for some people it literally was non-existent but i imagine you you had a little bit of you know prep to know what you expect when you got in the country
4: yeah absolutely i mean um you, you have like a whole train up i mean i was very fortunate um that after I got out of EOD school, um, I had a, a, a long time to train. Um, and, I mean, that's, that's what we do, like, as, as, as EOD techs, I mean, we train a lot. Train, train like, you know, train like you fight, they say. Um, so, we had a lot of, like, really, really awesome training aids. And, I mean, that's what, that's what a day in the life of, for me, for, like, at least the first year of me being an EOD Tech, because there was a lot of stuff going on in my company at the time, and we were, like, relatively small. Um, so yeah, I mean, we would just, people would like set up training aids, you know, like mock IEDs and we would just run, we would just run them and run them and run them and run them and run them. And then leading up to deployment, um, you know, we had, I was working with a team leader at the time that I actually went through EOD school with, um, and he was working on getting his team leader certifications done because they wanted him. It was also his first EOD deployment, but he had made. Staff Sergeant, because he was prior service, and you know they were like, "Hey, we really want you to be a team leader," which is kind of surreal to me to think about because, you know, I couldn't imagine if I, when I got out of VOD school, you know, maybe two years, they're like, "All right, well, you're going on your first deployment. You're going to be a team leader," you know, um, pretty insane. But it was cool for me because, you know, all three of us that were on that team, uh, training to get ready to go to Afghanistan, like we learned so much together. Um, because our EOD brains were pretty right around the same time frame. So when we, whenever we were running like practical problems, um, we would just, you know, bounce ideas off each other's heads. Like, hey, maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try this. Um, and it, it just it worked out pretty awesome. So I, I got to learn a lot there. Um, and then and then <laughs> pre-deployment, we went to Gator, um, which is they just run you through a lot of like really cool problems and stuff like that. Um, Um, I mean, that's, like I said, from, from my experience, uh, every single day, you know, like we'd get up, go do our PT, come back in and, you know, somebody was running a problem for something, whether it be cam or IEDs or ordnance. you know, I mean, we're just always, always training every single day.
1: Now, uh, you mentioned like the team leader certification and stuff. So, could you, I, I mean, and I'm assuming this is very similar between the branches, but can you kind of describe what the relationship is with like a three man team, like between the team leader and uh, the other two technicians what's that what's that like?
4: Like, are you talking about um, like
1: jobs roles? Yeah, because like, you know, you look at an infantry squad, right? You have a, you have a, a team leader and we have two team leaders, you have a squad leader and then you have like your four Joes and like one guy's carrying a rifle, one guy's carrying a machine gun. It's like, how, how are like, how is that kind of team dynamic work with within EOD?
4: Well, so you would have like your team leader and then you'd have your senior team member and then you'd have your other team member. I think in like EOD doctrine, it's like P1, P2, P3. So P1 would be like your team leader. P2 would be your senior team, team member. And then your P3 would be your, uh, you know, your, basically your junior team member. Um, And then. Yeah, I mean, so like team leader's job obviously is to do anything on a device or a piece of ordnance. you know, like they make, they're, they're the ones that's going to make the call. They're the ones that's going to put themselves in the dangerous situations and by, and by dangerous situations, I just mean like, um, being, being in the being in that position of, um, you know, if, if something needs to be done, they're doing it. And then P2, your senior team member, you know, his, his job would basically be to just uh, be there to support the team leader, you know, like if you're in a, in a, uh, you know, you're on like a mounted mission, you know, you're, you're the one that's ripping the robots out, you know, and you're the one that's helping the team leader get into the bomb suit and you're, you're helping that, you're helping the, uh, the team leader, you know, just do everything like from, from a senior, from a senior team members uh, point of view, I, I always took it as I was always trying to be, like, one step ahead of the team leader. Like, if the work dynamic was good, like, I already knew what he was wanting to do or what what he was looking, you know, to accomplish. So, I'm trying to get tools around or, you know, rope or and stuff like that. But everything was different with Russ because Russ was like a one-man show, you know?
1: <laughs> Speaking of the one-man show, the man in the middle legend himself finally made it. Uh, Russ, I made it. welcome welcome to uh, the Pangley Podcast Live. You already know Sean. Yeah, I don't I know. Think, uh,
5: I think I know him. Yeah, you, you look a little, look a little different. <laughs> it's been a while, huh?
1: What's up, Russ?
5: <laughs> Looking good, man.
1: Right, and cool, then you uh, do? I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know Mario or not, but Mario was uh one of the Air Force EOD technicians that was at Spurwinkar when we got there. I don't think you All guys right passed on that deployment, but
5: uh, I don't think so. Yeah. What's up, man? <laughs> Ola.
4: <laughs> I have, I have a quick That's, question. So, yeah. so you guys were out there. I, I remember like the first thing I thought of, like when I walked into the shop out there at Spermgar and like out there in like the little like sunroom or whatever. And there was all like, I remember the first thought that went through my brain was like, man, somebody smoked a lot of cigars out here, dude. <laughs> like there was cigar labels all <laughs> over this cabinet,
1: man. <laughs> Mario, is that is that Mario? <laughs>
2: uh, I may have been responsible for probably forty to fifty percent of those labels. Yes. Gosh, man, that's a lot of <laughs> cigars, my
1: friend. Uh, for uninformed audience, like we've talked about how luxurious Spurwinkar was in the past, but EOD had like so we we all lived in the building, so it was kind of like barracks for the infantry guys. But EOD kind of had their own little structure yeah, we, right up against the hill that nobody went to and they kind of had their they they'd improved it pretty well. Can you guys want to tell us a little bit about club Fairwan over there?
5: we we actually uh, downgraded when we went there. We we're, <laughs> we're, we're a little upset about that. <laughs> How so? But, well, uh let's see. The, our, remember when when we're up in uh, Shaw Joy, it was we were uh, like we're like the second EOD, or Army EOD team there, but prior to us, it was Navy EOD, and they bring their CVs out to build, and so we had, um, we, and then EOD, or Navy EOD teams, I think they run like eight eight man teams, and uh, so there, the shop they built was designed for eight, but there was only three of us there, and we, we had our own generators, our own heaters, um, it was a fenced in compound with cipher locks to get into the compound and yeah. So you actually had to buzz in to even get in there. So it was pretty sweet.
1: But, oh, so, uh, so spurwangar was not nice for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I was, surprised it was, it was I, nice uh, for the infantry. Okay. I,
5: I'm surprised the air force, uh, let, let a team go to
2: Spurwinkar. Was- it was like one of the nicest pubs
1: I've ever been to. What the hell are you talking about? Well, here, here's the a real question, Mario. Did you guys get paid extra to be at Spurwingard? Like you get no.
0: I'm so tired of hearing that. It's not a thing. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. No,
5: that's- <laughs> Sper- Sper- the duty shop at Spurringar is actually pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. was We had sweet digs there, man. It was good life. Yeah, Yeah. I had I had it made because I had that whole side room
4: all to myself.
5: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that side room. Yeah, yeah, it was just me.
1: Me. Well, it was me and the nine hundred mice that lived in there with me. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you needed the pit vipers. We had the pit vipers in the concrete building. They took care of the mice. Exactly.
5: There you go.
1: Walk around barefoot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think that's amazing and maybe i don't know
5: <laughs> I, I know i i really appreciated those shout there's nothing like a twilight shower
4: that, mm-hmm. that, was, pretty, that, that was magical cool. not just not just not just that the sign it was the sign the sign was the I think best I gotta, part for I, me i think i got a picture of
5: that just,
1: was it, don't jerk off in the shower sign It's
3: something
5: about the little
3: your little soldiers. Uh, <laughs> your little soldiers.
5: Yes, yeah. Yeah, about little soldiers and
3: <laughs> uh, Was that
5: your guys' first sergeant that put that up?
1: <laughs> I don't know, honestly.
5: It seems a little weighty for him though.
1: Well he, he you know, he wasn't there with us the whole time. Oh, okay. First Sergeant column came a little bit later, yeah. so I, I have a feeling that sign was there well before we got there. Ah, probably oh
4: well, that was I'm the talking. one. That was the one thing I, I I watched your episode, Russ, and I was I was hoping that you were going to talk about like our entrance into Spurwingar and that when we went there and talked in the office with him <laughs> and it was the the best what, thing that happened in my, my whole career.
5: Talked
1: in the column, try try to scare you straight or something. I don't remember that. Oh it yeah,
5: refresh my mind. Never.
4: Yeah, I remember he like. Yeah, he, like, pulls us into that office, and he's like, all right, guys, you know, we're, you guys are in the wild, wild west. You know, I'll take you, like, 50 meters outside that bob, and I'll, we'll, we'll get to our fight <laughs> real quick, you yeah. know? I was like,
1: all right, dude.
0: I vaguely remember that.
1: We're, I'll we're here you guys, for it, dude. <laughs> and i will get right back in my truck and watch, you guys it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he probably said it, like, 50 times, like, welcome to
4: the wild, wild west. <laughs>
1: And the irony, irony is like when you guys got there, he'd only been there for like two months. Not well, like he was there the whole time.
5: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So Luke actually had a good question when he was in the chat before he joined us in person. Welcome, Luke. Thank you for joining us from your what's boat up, boys?
0: In what's up, Luke?
1: Uh,
3: yeah, I don't have the best internet connection. Now. What's going on? It's good to see your beautiful face again, Sean Johnson.
4: <laughs> yeah, man, it's been a while, dude.
3: Been a long time, ain't it? Yeah, that's yeah. a Yeah,
4: whole another lifetime.
1: Yeah, right. I think I think my last lasting memory of Sean Johnson wow. was him looking at me after I almost got shot and be like, "Dude, are you alive?" <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, dude. But, hey, that was that was a scary that was a scary
0: moment, dude. That was close.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was falling so fast in my life. I didn't
4: have any control over what my legs were doing. <laughs> yeah just crack that's all you heard was crack look back at the wall and i'm like oh my god dude
0: <laughs> yeah. it's
1: called survival instinct when you command your body to simply cease functioning for your own survival you know,
4: you know what
5: my one of my favoriteest memories of uh sean was uh remember that patrol we were on and then we had the um female engagement team gal and then we had that who is that other oh my gosh that the, yes. the
1: wolfhound the scottish interpreter
5: yeah yeah Yeah. and she was walking around and then we took contact we were just crossing like a little creek and we took concrete contact and korea and i made up to the other side of the creek and we just started shooting and then we kind of look around like where's johnson at where'd he go those chicks grabbed him from the back of his vest and yanked him back down into the creek (laughs) and he's like he's like his whole back is like in the water yeah, and there. <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs>
4: I've told that's that story funny. so many times. That pissed me off so
1: bad.
0: That was Dude. the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's when yeah. that's
1: when took the round in the arm. That was a we're looking for the the kid in the weed field. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah, and the, okay. when the New, York- New York Times is like, yeah, there's. This kid got beheaded, and we're like, we're gonna go look for him. We're just gonna trust the locals, <laughs> and they're gonna point us right to where this kid is. We're like, oh yeah, oh yeah,
5: yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: freeway ambush, which is what happened.
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, now, we just we just always
4: showed up for the good time, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. you did. You guys we had a, you, it, guys, you uh, guys,
4: you know, for
1: the for the fun missions. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we just we just followed you guys, and, you know, fun. Oh. so
5: so, what is the question differences y'all saw between army EOD and other branches
1: yeah i'm gonna let mario lead off with answering this one <laughs> since he's the lone non-army eod yeah. guy here. give him a chance to yeah. defend himself before we all start crushing on him <laughs> no nah,
2: so so the air Huckle- force I'll has be, nice living <laughs> i'll be your huckleberry i don't give a shit <laughs> No, I I actually kind of alluded to this earlier. Is that the, you know each, each each service has their separate roles, and that you know we have the same basic generic functions and capability as basic EOD techs going having gone through EOD joint EOD, nav school EOD, um, but we all kind of have our specialties. Similarly, I would say to infantry, to other types of things as well. Um, you know, Air Force, we pretty much uh, started off. Our career field came from England and World War II when the Nazis were flying over London and dropping bombs. And they had delay fuses on them and engineers army engineers had to figure out real fast how to take care of them so long story short that's where our career came from yeah career field came from but airplanes fly with bombs explosives uh all that kind of stuff so that's initially why air force eod became a thing um i won't even pretend to talk about army eod's mission uh i would i it's a lot more ground-based than we are uh obviously navy is a lot more underwater ordnance and that type of stuff uh marines uh i have no idea Uh, i know that they're really really good and can do a lot with very very little uh and i got a lot of respect for them so that's kind of my take on it i i think we all kind of supplement each other and uh yeah that's what I think.
1: Well, what about you, Russ? You've been in yeah. uh, the EOD community for a hot minute. What do you see as kind yes. of the difference between he's, the way the branches handle yeah, he,
5: it? He's pretty spot on. So um, we all have our uh, areas of responsibility, and as Army, because we're a ground fighting force, obviously our our uh, primary focus is on uh, our our focus is on uh, ground ground combat. So Navy, when they go to Iorizcu, they got an extra division where they do underwater. Okay. And they're and they're all dive qualified. So they, their main thing is, I mean, we can all do the same ground and surf, surface stuff, but we're not all, only Navy's trained are um, scuba certified and whatever they call it. I don't know. Um, so they're scuba certified and they train on dealing with, they do underwater demo and all that good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, Air Force. I mean, not Air Force, Marines. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but what happened with yeah, uh, GWAT. So, so, all right. I, Go ahead. I, but, so what happened with GWAT was the Army initially, because in in the, the biggest, doctrine, Army, Army does land-based warfare. So the Army went in. And we were quickly overwhelmed with the amount of work. You know, there, you army did not have enough EOD techs in the entire army to fight Afghanistan and Iraq. And so all branches jumped in. So,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, despite all the differences at some point you all ended up, you know, driving and walking around with grunts, right. yep. ma- trying to make sure that their MRAPs don't get blown up. And it's kind of, it's kind of neat to see how the, the military and specifically EOD, but I mean, it happened, like we talked about military working dogs earlier, they did the same thing, Right. how they just had to like kind of shift their focus to make sure that, you know, the guy on the ground was best supported. And that, I think that's pretty neat about your community in particular is how quickly you were able to just shift. And I think that's because as Mario mentioned, and you talked a little bit about in the podcast, you have a stateside mission too.
5: Right. Yep. Yeah, so so all all four branches d- does the same stateside missions. So uh, I think you can even find videos of like I know there's one here in Washington, a sea mine showed up somewhere, and the the Navy EOD out at Bremerton went and disposed of that out in the in the water. So and there's video news video of it somewhere.
1: It's pretty wild right. that you have a sea mine just showing up in the puke. Yeah. The yeah. Like, where did, the well, did this come from? <laughs> well,
5: yeah. I, I I want to say that back in World War II, we actually did put a defensive perimeter of sea mines off oh, our sure. uh, coast. And so I don't know if, like, you know, oh, shit, one got lost. And, uh, yeah, they they weren't as, um, I think back in the 19, you know, 30s and 40s, they weren't quite as. Uh, um, didn't keep track of their stuff as as tight as we do now.
2: <laughs> Continuity was not an issue. <laughs> well, yeah. We literally lost nuclear
1: bombs, so the idea of moving a sea mine probably <laughs> all that. Right, off.
0: right, right. Yeah,
3: <laughs> there's not a lieutenant out there doing inventory of sea mines every every quarter, every change of command.
5: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's a there's a not to, or um. See, this is back in. I don't know if you were here yet, Johnson. Cause you got here in what two thousand ten, tenish.
1: I think Sean might be a little frozen. Yeah, yeah two thousand
0: ten. Oh, there he is. Yeah,
5: so I think you might have been here right around the time it happened. But we we're going up to Seattle, the Seattle ports, like almost weekly because they were dredging out there and they kept pulling out UXOs underwater. The the dredge and we're like, dude, you guys got to stop doing this. Like, you know, after so you know after ten. UXOs, they're digging up. We're like, you guys got to stop this. Well, it turned into this big Army Corps of Engineers thing, this study and research. Turns out what happened was as ships were coming into port from World War II, uh, rather than inventorying everything, they just dumped everything overboard. (laughs) 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 So they're (laughs) like,
0: (laughs) very believable. (laughs) We'll just
5: dump it all and expand it, expand it, expand it. And we're good. And we can all go on leave now that we're in Seattle.
1: Well you know, fast forward. There's yeah. nothing unbelievable. Sounds like ASP ammo. I, I right? know, right?
5: <laughs> Was it
4: <laughs> I said it sounds like ASP
1: ammo.
5: I know, yeah, exactly.
1: What's what's so. the rule if you don't you have to sh- if you don't shoot it, you have to give it back, so it all gets shot?
5: Yep, yep. So Right. So yeah.
1: But. Um <laughs> oh man i had a really good question and then i forgot about it russ starts talking about you know freaking lieutenants not wanting to do their inventory
0: <laughs> i've always had a question all right and you know
3: granted i will be the first one to admit the the majority of my eod knowledge comes from the hurt locker right <laughs> that's that's totally true stuff right and it's i mean we all can agree on how amazing that movie is right it's like a documentary. Right, um, much. right. <laughs> <laughs> But like the bomb suit, right? Yep. What's going to happen if you're wearing the bomb suit and one goes off, right? Is it going to work like for real?
1: It's not really like, what it's designed uh, for though. Mario's nodding his head very aggressively. Mario, tell us what's going to happen if you stand let, let, on a real IED. None of these like five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a real one. Like let, what's real. it going to okay.
3: do? Let's say you start at 15 and then you end it.
1: 100. 100 because you know anything over 100 you're just gonna it's gonna turn you inside out right
2: yeah i mean i mean i can remember uh, go ahead sean
4: oh I, I was just gonna say like i can remember you know in eod school like they started talking about the bomb suit i don't even remember what division it's in but you know they they talked pretty heavily about and i think they had like diagrams and everything that they showed us um you know it was basically just talking about how like uh you know, it's, it's more for like going there and coming back because then it more so than it is like being on top, you know, but it'd be, I guess, interesting to know um, anybody that's like been in a bomb suit on top of like, like a, a device or ordinance or something and you know what it's done, I guess.
1: I mean, I feel like 20 pounds or less, you break a couple bones and you go home, right? Like, because twenty, like a twenty yeah. pound IED is like a double amp, like, but you, you survive. So I feel yeah, like, so,
5: so the 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 suits actually designed to um to channel the blast, so so it um so it protects you from the blast. But there is there's a, there is a limit to it. Like, if there's a fifty pound charge and you're a foot away from it, that's not going to do anything. But you know, if that same fifty pound charge, say it's a um command detonated ied and they detonated a little early and you're 30 feet from it that bomb could be the difference between surviving and not
1: so what you're saying is like in the beginning of the hurt locker when he's Mm -hmm. running away from the ied and it goes off he He should have survived right
5: oh he should have been running backwards
1: oh oh, (laughs) yeah yes
3: yes he's right
0: Yep.
1: Well,
3: okay. Point. So we found one discrepancy <laughs> in the. <laughs> okay. All right. We can agree that we found the one mistake in
5: that movie. That's a fifteen-point hit right there. He failed. <laughs> <laughs> or sixteen-point hit, I should say.
0: Oh my god!
3: So. Yeah, I've always wondered that about that bomb suit because I've always like seen you geared up and things like that, and been like, okay. no. Nah. Like no So
5: the charges that we saw there in Panjway definitely would have saved us from it. Yeah. So, sure. and it would have saved limbs probably. It would it definitely would have worked. But um some of those bigger ones we saw um elsewhere, it wouldn't, but it might have protected us as on our approach to recon it or our um, you know, when we're heading back. So um yeah. So and blast blast is really funky like it does a lot of weird stuff so so it's, there's no way you could say like oh a 10 pound blast it will protect you you know yeah. it all depends on the environment The, i mean really humidity can make a difference what walls are surrounding you um all that kind of stuff can make a difference of you know what that 10 pound blast does sure
0: that was a so. good question, Steve. way
3: to go well I see now that I, I I was like man trying I was really struggling for questions and now I have like a flood of them coming. Let's go. Let's and up. most of them are ridiculous and I apologize ahead of time. So do you guys remember the little yellow stick that the Afghan clearance teams and their EOD had the little magic yellow stick any nobody? Nothing? Okay maybe I'm just imagining that. No no. It was like the Afghan clearance teams, and maybe this was like at the beginning before they actually got actually equipment, but they had like this little yellow stick that was like their clearance device. And I was curious if what even was that just like a magnet at the end of a stick? Because I thought that's what it was, but um, uh,
5: I think I think the uh, classification of that has expired and it's really just a stick.
3: Uh, oh, yeah. it, it felt like it wasn't hooked up to anything. We know they didn't have batteries. Like,
2: yeah. here, take this stick. It'll find IEDs. Yeah.
3: That's, that's, a, that's a marine. Uh, player,
2: uh, yeah, legit. From your description, I ran into a similar device used for searching in Iraq. That was like this plastic black handle and an antenna that comes out, and like a spot for a coax cable yeah. to hook up. And there's like a couple cards and if it reads this, you have this explosive. And I responded to something and this guy's like show this like uh IP guy showing it. And I have I've never seen this before. It looks like Fisher Price, my first explosive (laughs) detector or something. (laughs) Like, Like I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, so I I think I've I've I have the predecessor to predecessor to what you're talking (laughs) about. I (laughs) think it was made by the same
3: manufacturer. Yeah, but they believed that it
2: works. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how. Uh, I didn't didn't tell them it did it. I just (laughs) said I don't fucking know about this, and just went on my way.
3: And in a similar vein, what? And this is the the Afghan. Um, and I'm sure Iraq is the same way, but their clearance methods of shooting at it. How effective could that be? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm, I've been curious about that. Cause they would just like start shooting and be like, it's clear. Interesting. Does that have any validity? No. <laughs> <sighs> well, <laughs> now, hold on, hold
1: on, hold on, hold on. Did you guys not carry a 50 Cal around for that exact purpose?
5: Not for IEDs.
1: What was the 50 cal
5: for? It was for our submunitions. Okay. And.
1: I have to find that because I mean. What
3: was that? <laughs> submunitions, yep. Yeah, submunitions.
5: Little bomblets that come out of dispensers from the aircraft. It's, uh, more, it's more of an Air Force thing.
1: You carry a 50-cal <laughs> rifle.
2: Standoff munitions
1: disruption. Yeah. That's yeah. SMUD. They're SMUD techniques. Yeah. So it sounds like you made up a reason to have a 50-cal.
5: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. But the difference because is... Because not only does that not sound like it's going to work, but I yeah. highly doubt any non-soft snipers ability to hit one of those things with a yeah. 50 cal well, well you, you think about
5: it, it. The, <laughs> the idea is that the, the enemy will uh use sub munitions to lay it down on an airfield and so we just took the airfield but now we need to clear it so that we can actually use it with an area so, so um so it's in a relatively non um threatening what's the word um non-hostile environment So we have the ground; we just need to clear it, and it's a lot safer to do that than walk down and deal with it.
1: With a fifty cal gun, exactly. With a fifty cal,
5: so so if you if we miss, you know, we got all day to keep shooting at it until we hit it. (laughs) Eventually, Johnson will hit it.
2: But then you have to lubricate the rounds because they go into the magazine easier. Remember that. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. Hey, you got to use the Capri Sun. Yep, yeah, rub the old jive. yep yeah, yeah. Take it, take a hit of that Capri Sun, spit and rub, yep. specialist spit and
1: rub. I mean, it, it sounds like your <laughs> locker was pretty fucking accurate so far. Like you guys yep. have done a poor job of convincing me otherwise.
5: <laughs> yeah, part part of passing Yodisco is you got to be able to deadlift at least six hundred pounds.
1: <laughs> you got you got to pull up eight eight one five five shells yep. with one hand. Yep.
5: With one hand,
1: yeah. It's like it's like exactly. what, like eight hundred pounds? That's a yeah, huge? No, yeah. not, like no, not four hundred pounds. Yeah,
5: a one five five is pushing
1: a hundred pounds each. Is it? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 totally realistic. Yep, yeah, exactly. Why well, you gotta do those curls, man? With yeah. by the debt cord because yeah, nothing cord. nothing bad ever happens from debt with debt cord.
2: I have never seen <laughs> rounds that well put together. That you can pull the weight by the debt cord. <laughs> they do not wire their shit that good. Trust me, because we don't wire our shit that good.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, have you? Did you ever
1: come across an IED? And be like, damn, this dude really knows what they're doing. Like, just been absolutely <laughs> impressed by like the craftsmanship and the like the, the creativity or. Like, is it literally all a whole I, bunch of first grade? I, I think we them?
5: talked about it a little bit on my podcast with the, uh, Afghanistan, not so much, but Iraq was Mario. You said you've been to Iraq, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some impressive shit in Iraq. Like, yeah,
2: yeah. it was, it's really interesting to compare the two because Iraq was my foundation before going to spur gar in Afghanistan. Uh, but yeah, to, to Russell's point, absolutely. Uh, It definitely seemed a couple steps up as far as uh, how it was employed, how it was put together, uh, all that kind of stuff. A lot of things coming together. Uh, Afghanistan, I don't want to say it was the Wild, Wild West because I don't want to put somebody into that negative (laughs) headspace again. However, uh, it seemed like. Low, the low tech, uh, you know the the whole kiss concept. Keep it simple, stupid. Sure, uh, it it yeah. seemed like yeah. that tended to work the best, uh, but that was just based off of my observations.
1: Yeah. That's, well, that's pretty much yeah. right on. I liked uh, Russ's comparison in his episode where we talked about technical versus tactical, whereas like the IEDs in. Iraq and even a different parts of Afghanistan were more technical. They were better built. They were they had yeah. all these different triggers and switches and stuff. But like in Panjway or Kandahar and probably even Hellman would be the same. They were just really fucking good at knowing exactly where to put them, so they didn't have to be technically complicated. Right? They could just you know and they had this this tactic that worked, and they were really good at it, and it was fucking scary for us at least. Yeah. Not for yeah. us, apparently. Apparently, <laughs> here,
0: yeah.
5: <laughs> it was scary, all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's <yeah. laughs> uh, too much.
1: <laughs> so while we, we didn't get to work with you guys a whole lot while we were there. What was like, uh, what was your your, your day to uh, day? Because, I mean, we got there and we did like a couple of entry patrols. We did like one big operation, and you guys were gone. So what before we got there, what was kind of your day to day like? Did you go out on dismounted patrols with the guys a lot? Was it mostly reactionary?
2: Is this me? Yep. Is yep. This for, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> so the way kind of that the rules were set for us, it's basically like office space where he's got eight different bosses. Sure. Yeah. That's that's how it was for us. And uh, you know. We were mainly postured as QRF as a QRF responsibility. So as as the landowner, if you will, if something comes up in the landowner's AO, an explosive hazard, uh, they'll look for the closest uh, EOD asset. And if it's us, they'll call. And you know, if if the unit we're with, if it works for them, we'll go and take care of it. And that all gets worked in racked and stacked with, you know, what you guys have going on supporting infantry and troops in contact is obviously more important than other things. Um, but by nature, uh, they made it extremely clear over and over and over again, that we were not to enter the rotation of patrols and this and that, um, I spent a lot of time trying to explain uh, higher up Spurwan Gar in that area and the grape rose and why we can't take vehicles everywhere and you know Russ knows that when you're operating a a, a mission mounted versus dismounted, it's it's apples and oranges as far as what capability and level of protection you have. Uh, so knowing knowing those limitations beforehand were really important when it comes to proper planning. Uh, and uh, you know it was it was a big balance between wanting to be there for everybody and take care of the supported unit, but at the same time we had to make decisions that wouldn't get archives ne- unnecessarily killed or yanked out, and then some other dumbass comes in, and it's going to be even worse for you.
0: Sure.
2: So, yeah, the the unit that was there beforehand, uh, leadership was a bit different. Uh, so that was putting things together for uh, Captain Kitching and everybody. Then trying to get him set up on the. Best way forward uh, was a large part of what I was trying to do towards the end, especially after my two team members left and went back to CAF. Uh, this was a couple of days before you guys went on that mission. Unfortunately, where Brazos was hit, um, but I remember the days before that, and just it. You know, on one hand, I was like, I did everything I could for them. I, I showed them where everything was. Uh, we sat down with the maps, looked at you know everything, but on on and it's so difficult to just sit back and not go, and especially when when we found out about Brazos that I think I left a day after that. It was like ah that was tough, man. Yeah. You know, because we're there to do a job, and it felt like we were sometimes it felt like a hand tied behind your back but at the end of the day I don't regret any of the big decisions and and stand by supporting you guys so
1: well that was one thing we noticed with a lot of the supporting units is you know you guys had your own bosses and you had your own chain of command it was parallel and slightly under ours and you know the dog handlers had the same thing and you know, some of the interpreters, like the, the Scottish interpreter, she had her own rules. The female engagement team had their own rules. The civil affairs, y- yada, 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 all these enablers. And, you know, I remember one time the uh, the chaplain team came out because we were all fucked in the head, like, real bad. So they brought the chaplain team out, and the cop got attacked. So we're all up on the walls, like, hey, guys, come on, hop up, get your cab. We're like, we're not allowed to, to, to engage. We're like, what do you mean? We're being attacked. Get on the wall. We're like, no, we're not allowed. So it's like all these different rules about, you know, you can go on patrol or you can't go on patrol and then, you know, it's it seems like they changed too. So in the beginning of the deployment we had a lot of engineer support. You know, they were real eager, but then a couple of engineers were killed and they're like, "Hey, the the risk reward isn't really there. We need to dial back our role and responsibilities." So it's a real tough balance for you guys.
2: Yeah, it it was, but uh obviously we had uh, some pretty good uh, uh, team members and team leaders in the AO. Uh, we had some some guys down at Kenjikak, uh, Mushan, uh, all kind of littered around, and we talked amongst one another almost every single day, uh, bouncing things off each other, how things were going um, with their supported units, you know, learning from them. Um Constantly going back and forth to Zhang, seeing what they're doing, helping them out. Did uh, one or two uh, flyaways or air assaults, whatever you want to call them. So, yeah, I mean, we really try and be as flexible as possible. But like, out of from Russ's podcast, all all the complaining about what takes EOD so long it's because nobody fucking tells us the chain that goddamn telephone game is too long. It's too long. That's why. Well,
1: especially in Panjwai, like e- even if you know, immediately, like you're like, we, we tell you me, like we have a three hour walk to get to you. Like, it's not like we can just hop in a truck and drive there in 30 minutes. It's just not possible. Um, and I know, you know, we're not we don't hold it against you guys at all, but it was nice when the army teams came in and like, hey, we can go on patrol with you. We're like, Yes. Because oh, yeah. A, you can clear all the hard shit, and B, you're there if we find shit. Uh and C, and but particularly with Russ and Sean's team, those dudes loved to fucking shoot shit. So Sean <laughs> tell us what it was like to be an honorary infantryman with Bravo Company one six four and just get into gunfights all the time, which is definitely not To um, yeah, I, I mean,
4: it was it was an awesome experience. Can, can you guys hear me? Um got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a super awesome experience. Um I mean, like I said, the earlier parts of that deployment, um you know, some some parts of it were boring, some parts weren't, but I mean, when we got there with you guys, um <laughs> I mean, it was I was I was super fortunate to get to work with Russ because I mean, Russ from from my experience was just really good at getting boots on ground in and building a really good relationship with your guys' unit and everybody else that was, you know, in charge of everything going on. And then like letting you guys know our capabilities, because I mean, from, from my perspective, it could have been another team leader that went out there and they were, they could have just been like, well, we're just going to QRF for you guys. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously that wasn't, that wasn't the best way for us to support you guys. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was cool. It was interesting uh, to be able to go out and see um, how infantry operated. Um, And I don't know, looking at like those LTs on the ground, I don't know. I still think back and I'm like, man, like to be that LT on the ground, that's got to make those decisions. You know, Uh, like I have a lot of respect for those guys. Um, So, yeah, for sure. It was cool.
1: I mean, that's a good point. Like, can you imagine being 22 years old and straight out of college? Like, hey, man, you're in charge. Go. Don't get it, anybody killed. Like,
5: it, It's funny because as as, uh, as EOD were, um, it's actually in the regulation that on an explosive incident, the um, not the highest ranking but the most experienced EOD tech takes control of the incident. Right. So there could be a freaking colonel, but might only have a few years of actual EOD time. Then that staff sergeant who has a whole bunch of years is going to take control. Sure. Yeah. So, as it should yeah, and so so I know for me, I'm sure for Mario, and Sean too. It it was like, man, this is weird. We're in the shit right now. Bullets are flying everywhere, and I mean the lieutenants did a great job, but it was just like that platoon sergeant's been there, done that before. This is that lieutenant's first time doing this shit, <laughs> and it was, it was just like. Wow. Yeah. But,
1: so well, good. It, if You really think about it in a, in a firefight. Like yeah. the risk is quite low. There's a lot of room for that LT to make some mistakes before the right. platoon. turns. like, okay, sir, we're going to bring it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what you mentioned is a really good, it's the exact same way in the aviation community. Yeah. If you, you, when you get into an aircraft, you know, the, the senior pilot is in charge or the, the right. pilot is designated as the, the pilot in command is in charge. Sometimes gotcha. that's a higher-ranking officer. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the right. lieutenant colonel listening to a CW two, and a COE two tells the lieutenant colonel to shut the fuck up. Lieutenant colonel right. shuts the fuck up. Yeah, and it's and you know with certain career fields you can do that because the inherent risk of just doing the job is so right. high that there's no room to let the LT make some mistakes. And right. it's just for me that a firefight is one of those places where we've determined that it's okay for the LT to make a few mistakes. <laughs>
5: yeah it it was a little baffling though at first i mean it's just a whole different culture right so but somebody somebody explained it to me later it's like well that platoon sergeant trains with the pl and so that pl is kind of making the decisions that the platoon sergeant would have been making
1: right and he's leaning super hard on him yeah yeah he's like guys go charge that hill (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
5: (laughs) so so it makes sense but but yeah, that that those first few times I was like, man, this is nuts.
1: <laughs> yeah. So well, and what's what's really interesting about our deployment is typically the experience difference between a first lieutenant and a captain is nothing. Like right. it, literally a year difference of the whenever they went to school. Mm-hmm. But for us, Captain Kitching had been enlisted and then he had been in Ranger Regiment. He had gone to in been in 82nd. He'd right. done all these things. So he was a 03 with the experience of like an E7. Right, so it,
0: right. it's, yeah.
1: you know, the difference in expertise from our PLs to our company commander was massive. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which, you know, that's a whole other podcast, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah. we, we, I think we were lucky to have that. Um, and I think every unit that has a, an officer that was prior enlisted is lucky to have that officer.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I guess
4: those, those lts that you guys had they they were probably really fortunate to have him as well because I don't know from my perspective um, i don't I don't necessarily remember every one of the lts that we worked with, but I know that your guys' um, like you know officer leadership, and no, they had already been in you know in country you know dealing with stuff in Gar for a while, but as opposed to like uh, you know your guys' the company that came after you guys. It was, like, it was night and day, for sure, from my perspective.
1: And we, we, we had the benefit of a slow ramp up into the, the worst part of our deployment. Like We got there in March. It was pretty quiet. The unit before us hadn't been de- uh, patrolling a whole lot. So as we started pushing out, they weren't really expecting us. So we got away with stuff we probably shouldn't have um, until probably late April, early May. And that's when they're like, oh, okay, these guys are pushing into the spots that we don't want them. So we kind of like the LTs and the, I mean, like like I said, 80% of the unit was brand new. So it wasn't just the lieutenants. It was squad leaders, team leaders, you know, platoon sergeants on their first combat deployment. So like everyone kind of got their legs under them slowly. And then by the time it got bad, people were kind of, they had their heads on, you know, one, three, eight, man, they three days in and they were, they were facing some gnarly shit, man.
5: Yeah, we were there on their first, uh, their first KIA. It pretty rough, pretty rough day there.
1: That was uh, William, was that Williams? Williams, right? Yep. Yeah. So you guys were up, you guys were up front with. Yeah, Jordan. yeah. Do you remember
5: clearing. how we ended up front there, Johnson? I forget because because we don't normally um, patrol right behind the clearing team.
4: Yeah, so I think I remember. Wes was like talking I think with you I think and it was like because he was a clearing you know NCOIC or whatever and I know that they were going to be shoved up because I think there was some weird thing going on with the ANA at the time where like they were supposed to be up front but they didn't want to be up front so then they pushed his clearing team to the front and then I think it was just kind of like a well they're going to have all these Afghans behind them and then if we had to, you know, respond to something closer up, I, I think they basically just probably asked us, like, hey, do you guys want to be up here?
0: Uh, okay.
5: Yeah, I don't remember. Because normally we would, we would, on the patrol, we would be with the PL or kind of in the middle of it all. But I remember at that time it was like there's the clearing team, which is what, three, du- four dudes? Three yeah, I think
4: four it was dudes. like three or four guys, yeah.
5: Yeah. And then there was us and then the whole ANA um, platoon and then the rest of the U.S. guys. So, uh, yeah. So when the shit hit the fan, it was like all they. Uh. Guys, like,
4: <laughs> yeah, you're like, they, oh. they all
5: just jumped into a Grapero, and then, and then that IED took out the whole clearing team, and then it basically just left us three kind of exposed on our own.
0: Yeah. So So,
5: um, yeah. So, and I just we just started shooting.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah three sure. three yeah. guns started shooting. It was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that day specifically was kind of sketchy for us because. I mean, you're talking, like, the rest of the U.S. guys were, like, behind a wall still. Yeah, there's still a um, whole,
5: like, a whole great, or not great, but a whole, uh, what do you call it, farm field field yeah. away.
0: Yeah, so. so
4: there was, like, it was basically, like, the clearing team got hit. They were on the other side of a wall, and there's the EOD team. And, I mean, we were we were pretty much out there, you know, kind of by ourselves. So, was, you know, we had the A&A behind us, but they were just kind of running around like chickens with their heads
1: cut off sure try to find another yep. idea step on yeah <laughs> yeah basically
5: yeah you sean got to put his first aid to use patched up some dude shot in the arm or some shit like that
4: yeah yeah some yeah yeah because i think i remember when when all that happened some you know um there was that little wall or whatever you know and we had like rounds kicking up everywhere and you could hear like yeah. whoever was shooting they were, they were pretty dang close um, so I can, the the one and only time that I was in, you know, in that AO where I like, I dropped, like I dropped down as low as I could go, you know, and, uh, and then I just remember looking over and I could see like Aaron, Aaron was like in a ditch and I'm like, what are you doing in that ditch, bro? <laughs> like that's sketchy, you know, but then I'm like, dude, like I got to move. Like I got to go get into this ditch. So I, I, I got up and I, I was like yelling at Aaron and I'm like, dude, I'm coming to you. And he was like, all right. So i got up and i ran got into the ditch and as soon as i landed in the ditch like boom the explosion happened and uh yeah it was pretty gnarly because i remember like kind of like checking me you know like holy smokes dude was that just me you know and then it was real quiet so i was like man maybe that was like an rpg or something
0: yeah yeah
4: yeah and then it, and then it got pretty loud and then i think i had the minehound on my back and i handed it to aaron and I was like, here, take this to Russ. And then we got kind of separated when you guys went off to do your thing, because that yeah, the other A and A guy got shot and he was like vomiting everywhere, dude, like profusely, oh, freaking sure. out. <laughs> oh, it was disgusting, dude.
1: Didn't he get yeah, he he shot in the arm,
4: right? Yeah, well he got shot like right in the shoulder. Ooh. Yeah. But what which which this is what's crazy, right? So I always carried a pair of gloves, you know, like and I had like a little admin pouch on my vest. And I always carried a pair of gloves and I was like, for that specific thing, like if i ever have to work on an Afghan dude, like I'm putting these gloves on. Well, like in the heat of the moment, you know, like this I mean this you could see this guy just pouring blood everywhere. So I'm like, all right, well, I don't have time for that. So start ripping all this dude's stuff off. I've got all these A and A guys around me and then these guys were these guys were freaking out, you know what I mean? Like the the unit that was underground with us because they're just like they're separated from us they're like coming over the radio like what's going on what's going on um and then uh yeah so i'm like working on this dude and i'm yelling at these afghans like dude like we're getting shot at like i'm telling the the interpreter was sitting up there with me and i'm like you need to tell them like they need to pull security dude we are getting shot at you know um so then yeah whatever i you know, start working on this dude. But i it's so funny because I can remember it's so hot over there, you know, on this day, even specifically. I like I get this dude's vest off and then I, I, I get I cut his fucking uniform top off. And I'm thinking like I'm going to come to a T-shirt. I, no, there's like PTs under that. I cut I cut that off. Then I cut a T-shirt <laughs> off and then he's got like he's got like a Gore-Tex on under there, dude. And I'm like, what the hell, dude? Well, it,
5: like, it was, was a, December, you know, it was, it was.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was for the them, I
5: guess.
0: <laughs> and still. Yeah, yeah for them. Uh, yeah, I they, it was so, it
4: was crazy to me that they, like the, the Afghans, man, like they had worked with, you know, they've been out there for a long time and it just blow They're sitting over there praying over this guy, you know what I mean? And they're all just like holding his hand and stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> like we're getting shot at right now, dude. Like. You know, no big deal for you guys, I guess, but like my rifle's like sitting over here off to the side as I'm like trying to plug up your, you know, your buddy. And then, yeah, it was pretty nuts. It was a pretty crazy day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a wild you, one. You bring up a good point about the Afghans. You know, a big part of your guys' job was, well, to try and teach them yeah. clearly. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, the the A that we had didn't give a shit. We knew that. No. they were, They were from way up north, they didn't give a. Fuck about Panjway. Like, I know for a fact we would train a guy one day on the mine Hound, and then literally the next day we hand him one, hand. it sounded like he'd never fucking seen it before.
0: Like, <laughs> right. was like
1: oh, literally taught you how to use this. Yeah, oh no, 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 no batteries. I'm like, nope. here's a battery. Oh no, no training. Like, get the fuck out of here. Come yeah, yeah. On. you guys you guys do it. You guys do it. And yeah. when we first got there, Mario, you probably remember this. They did actually lead patrols. Like they had their mind clearer guys out front. But man. Come June, fuck no! You couldn't pay them to get up there. They're like, no, no, no. Yeah. So, I don't know what was it like trying to teach those guys something as important as mine clearing.
5: Um, I'm trying to think. I think we were trying. I don't remember. um Like I remember trying to schedule it and do it, and they they just really weren't meeting meeting us there. You know. No. Yeah. So I know we, I know we tried. I think we did a little bit, but for the most part, it was as we we're trying to plan it and schedule it, and they wouldn't come, and um, and then we would have to go check their equipment because they got a bunch of like robots and and some basic EOD shit and and um, yeah. So they just it's like pulling teeth to try and get them to come out and train, but yeah, they just wouldn't do it.
1: What about you, Mario? What was your experience yeah. like? they always just
4: wanted to I feel like they always just wanted to eat food with us, yeah. Hey, which I was down with.
1: Their food was good. It was freaking
4: delicious. Yeah, for
0: sure.
1: About fifty fifty yeah, was. getting dysentery, but it was good. Uh <laughs> yeah I, I had no problem like as far as like individual I mean there were a few that were definitely fucking sketchy. But for the most part man, they were just they were there on their tour of duty just like we were most of those guys were fairly relatable, but I mean, they just had no interest in. It was them.
4: always sketchy for me to go over there and eat with them. <laughs> it was always sketchy. I never wanted to go. <laughs> I was you like, know, no, I don't want, want to want go. I mean, like,
1: like it was just, especially as like the green on blue thing got bad. Like, it just got super sketchy to be w- with the Afghans with anything less than like a squad. Because I mean, right. all it took is one dude with an AK. You could take out a fire team in a half a second.
2: Yeah, I we were there when the and Bay shooting happened and you know be how how things were on pbsg before the shooting and then after um i can't tell you how tangible it felt you know just going by there and just you know really having to carry your weapon on you and you know it was not a good time back then i can't say that i would have blamed any hostility but yeah yeah Uh, We didn't, we didn't try and uh, that training lane or whatever you want to call it. We tried to make it available for anybody. Uh, We had a couple of them come up to us and ask uh, something for one of their mind detectors. It looks, you know, like a Russian era, you know, Cold War era one from them, but (laughs) really little interaction but it was interesting because the 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 unit before you guys the the info that we got was they took heavy casualties pretty early on. Yeah, they did. Uh, and I remember the guy, the EOD guy that I replaced. He that was a lot of the things that he was telling me uh, when they got there, they took a lot of casualties and they were really not looking to go back and take the fight to people. Uh, So when, when you're, when you're, when you're talking about, they weren't going on these patrols and QRFs, that's a little bit of the context of why that wasn't happening, you know? So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting how the dynamic shifted. You were mentioning you guys got there in March and bad guys, bad guys don't like to go out in the cold or the nasty weather. I mean, fighting season's a thing. So, you know,
5: Mario, when were you there?
2: Uh, I got, let's see. I got the PBSG probably end of January, 2012. And I left the fob probably May of 2012 left, left country in June.
5: Or did Hill replace
2: you? I think so. Was yeah, it, Sergeant Hill.
5: Sergeant Hill.
2: Maybe yep. I remember. I'm I'm really bad with names at this point. It's <laughs> been a while. You know Spanish, how it goes.
5: Spanish staff sergeant. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Right but yeah, um, Curtis. If you don't mind, I wanted to mention a little bit about uh, talk about that 5k. <laughs> um, and I understand how it may have looked from to the new unit coming in and be like, there's this fucking air force guy holding a 5k in Spirawan in Panjway. But the story behind that is uh, I I was, the two of us were stationed out of uh, RAF, Lake, and Heath. See, we're not like Army EOD guys. Sometimes where they go, it deploy as an entire company. We get pieced together from, you know, two guys from this place in the world, two guys from that. We get together. Well, uh, Phil Myers, uh, he was the guy that was stationed out of RAF, Lake, and Heath. Uh, He's on... Uh, Let's see, he's somewhere around here. Yeah, Myers is around here, but he was stationed at Lake and Heath and one of the team members when he was killed was my team member at Spairwangar. So, every April 4th, our unit would hold a memorial 5K. And I, we were really pissed that we had to be stuck in Afghanistan while all our guys were having a bunch of fun and raising a bunch of money for this. So I said, fuck that. And basically started training. I started training for this 5k in Afghanistan by running laps around the fob in a bomb suit. Isn't that like 12
1: 12 laps? Wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was. Um, and it was interesting because people are like, why the fuck are you doing this? You're raising money. Oh, this is great. No, I didn't actually raise any money. I wasn't trying to. Um, it was just to show that uh, it didn't matter where we are. We were going to support our brother uh, who was killed in Hellmond, Uh And, oh, yeah. But that's why we did it. It made something to us, and we felt it would be a kind of a good segue to bring the new unit in and kind of get people together. Um, so that's my side of that story. So that's why we did something that stupid in the middle of Afghanistan. Oh, no. Fuck, fuck you to Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> we, we,
1: we, uh, we definitely didn't think it was stupid to do it. We thought it was stupid when we got forced to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Because everything is fun until
2: it's mandatory, right? Uh, dude, punishment sucks. Punishment <laughs> sucks. Are you saying
5: you didn't want to join us when we were doing our ruck running around the, the fob there?
2: Yeah, but you had an ulterior
1: motive we can't talk about <laughs> on the like, live podcast. <laughs> it was awful. No, I, when I saw you guys doing your circles with your 100-pound rucks a week after you got there, we had no desire to join you. And at that point, we had been there long enough that we didn't have to. <laughs> Hey, we were just we were just training really hard, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just just training really hard to to, yeah. to whittle your team down to three. Yeah.
5: Career, <laughs> career would get so pissed when we'd be like on patrol and be like, "Hey, career, this is great training for combat, isn't it?" He'd <laughs> <laughs> just be like, "Fuck you, man." <laughs> uh, speaking of, I still feel bad about it when. Uh,
4: the funniest
5: oh, thing. Sean Sean was promotable, E four promotable, and we didn't realize that his APFT had expired, which took away his promotable status while we were there. Remember that? I'm oh, sure you remember that, Sean. I
4: do. Yeah.
5: And we're like, what the? Yep. Are, you, yep. are you serious? Like, isn't the whole point of the APFT is to, um, for a commander's assessment of a soldier's physical readiness for combat? I'm like we're patrolling four or five, I think we've even gone up to like six times a week, obviously, where our readiness is there,
3: <laughs> yeah. right, not it's if you don't hard file the correct paperwork. it's not
5: uh, exactly right? <laughs> right well we need the numbers <laughs> well,
3: I'd well like you know to well, the funny you. thing is the funny the funny
4: thing is i went I went back to the board with with not without having <laughs> without having a new p t card too. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, it's like
5: where were we gonna do a PT test on the freaking boulder rocks that we have to walk over?
0: Oh, yeah. just run down my you
5: know, Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, just that, that me, a mile. Yeah, me, I'm gonna run down uh, one mile up, Brown and back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, super. Well, funny. it's uh,
1: well if you or you could do your PT test the pilot way, which is fill in your PT card, have your buddy sign it, and you sign his PT card.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, they don't believe in the army values
0: and then uh, <laughs> it really, they
3: don't have integrity. <laughs> oh, Everyone's man. least favorite army value. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
5: that's fine. Was the board pretty easy when you went back for it? That oh, looks like we lost
0: again. Is that fail? Sean? Yeah,
3: deep in thought. Yeah, I uh
4: no i uh can you guys hear me yeah okay um yeah i uh no i, I actually failed it <laughs> i failed that board yeah what? Yeah. yeah I failed. so i yeah so i failed i failed that board so i went man i was a, such a crazy story like i went to the board promotion board three times in that year that i was in afghanistan <laughs> i went to wow. my first promotion board they failed me then I went to my second and that was when uh third had just gotten there. So it was, it was Sergeant Major Stanley. That was in, that was the, you know, right. holding the board. And then, and then I come back for that third one and he's like, what are you, what, like, what are you doing back here? You know? And then he's like, Oh, this is, and he's like, you still don't have, like, he's like, you still don't have a, a, a PT card, you know? And so I, from what I can remember, I failed the board. And Sergeant Major Stanley basically basically like was like, I I was here for his other board, you know, like, we're not going to fail this guy, but he's like, you need to go do a PT test like right now. And I'm like, oh, easy. You know, like, I'll go, I'll go do a, a, a PT test right now. That's nothing, you know. And then little do I find out that, you know, we didn't do much cardio out there. So it sucked yeah. really bad.
5: <laughs> Turns out doing real combat patrols is not at all like doing an APFT.
4: <laughs> no, no. I can remember With, like running in that yeah. weird track out there in yeah, Kandahar yeah. It just like loops and loops and loops and loops. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, my gosh, dude, you, like you take remember, me back to Spur One Guard.
5: <laughs> remember we had to do that when we all got back. We're like, hey, we're just going to do a, a diagnostic, see where everybody's at. I remember running the two miles and I was like, holy smokes, this is hard. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we're patrolling. I mean, we're there going out with you guys all the time and doing just fine. And then, but man, a PT test, it was actually kind of hard.
4: Yeah, it was difficult for sure. I remember, I don't know. I, w- I was usually pretty decent with a run. Like, I was never like a stud or anything. Um, but i I vaguely remember probably just barely passing that. PT test yeah. on Gandalf.
1: Yeah, You shouldn't yeah. be taking a PT test while you're on deployment, period. No,
0: well, like,
1: yeah, can we, it, like, that is the stupidest fucking shit. All that just stems from is officers that can't handle looking at a readiness slide and seeing red on it. Red. Yeah. Like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? It's red. But
0: how
2: are they gonna know you're ready for war?
1: <laughs> while you're at war. <laughs> while
2: you're at war!
1: Yeah, but
4: yeah, but listen, the army is the so easy to like into a nutshell like i can remember before we had gotten to spurringar i was working with another team leader and like we had been out on like a multi-day like we were like living in our truck for probably four five six days i mean it was a long long mission and we ended up going through kandahar and uh so we're like okay well we're gonna go get some stuff at the store you know and i can remember getting in there and this this sergeant major and like a they're just clean uniform just you know, somebody was ironing that thing for him. There's no way they weren't. And he come up to me and he says, "Hey," um, he says, "You need to you need to go change that uniform right now." And I'm like, "I'm just passing through, man. Just doing just doing the Lord's
1: work out here, you know." <laughs> this, this is what I got, man. I'm not doing, doing the God's work, the Lord's work. Yeah. <laughs>
5: you're,
1: you're, you're right. are just here to grab, no, here and grab
5: right. some dipping chips at the PX, man. Yeah, yeah.
4: You know what? You're actually right. I do need to take a shower and I do need to change, but I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> Fuck.
1: Oh man, that's that's the worst. Man. I hate Sergeant Majors. Just yeah. Mm.
5: I'm totally gonna be one of those.
1: You are. Man. God, oh, man. <laughs> have you have you developed
3: a hatred for people walking on your grass yet? No, no, I'm good. that's how they find out if you're ready.
5: <laughs> I guess I'll never get promoted. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about red chicklet? Oh man, uh, yeah, that, but, that should happen too when uh, when we went back. Mm-hmm. um Trying to think. Oh, it's when you guys. I think I don't know which one of the platoons went back to go pick up one three eight.
1: Was us. Was it we got guys at the DFAC. Oh, well, oh, we
5: weren't with you guys at the because oh. as soon as we got into calf, we we're like, "All right, see you guys," and we went to our, went our own way. But uh, we we pulled in. Same thing happened. We're like, first stop, first stop. We're going to PX grab some some junk food,
1: some liquid right? cheese.
5: Yeah. So so it's just the three of us: me, Johnson, and Korea. We we get park our truck, get get to the PX, and we're walking out. Same thing. Sorry, Major. Hey, why is your pants on blouse? Uh, hey, soldier needs a haircut. You his? Are you his NCO? I was like, uh, yeah. I was just like, oh,
0: who the fuck <laughs> are you? <laughs> Listen, you can't
4: you can't have your boots blouse during salsa night. Okay, we were
0: dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Was, uh, yeah,
1: that was well, yeah. not to stray too far, but that was my favorite part about becoming a pilot. Was salsa
0: mo-
1: <laughs> <laughs> So I never went to salsa night. I went <laughs> to cigar night. Okay.
5: Okay. <laughs>
1: gotcha. And I had a la- live band, but just having the freedom to be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I only I only really need to worry about sergeant major if I piss sergeant major enough that he went and complained to the battalion commander. Then I had a problem. Right. If it was like minor and I wasn't disrespectful, you can get away with a lot. Like, yeah, walk around with your hands in your pockets.
4: Yep, wonderful.
5: Yeah, but it's always good times. Just if if I ever get promoted, I I hope I never lose that uh that grounding of the guys on the ground.
1: Yeah, so. and you know that's a, that's a good way to kind of close out this conversation is to talk about how you know everything revolves around protecting that ground ground, whether it's cab scouts or infantrymen or whoever the fuck it is, you know, all this, this great amalgamation of support assets, military working dogs, EOD, CBs, I guess, uh, <laughs> <laughs> medics, you know, air all- force, air force. I guess. <laughs> oh,
2: fine. I'll allow it. <laughs>
1: Uh, we went to this like war environment that we had to almost dumb down because we were fighting an enemy that was, you know, very competent, but fighting at a very basic level. So all these great and wonderful things that we had, like mine, you know, clearing robots and GPR and all this stuff. It ends up like pulling a 15 pound or a $15 IED out of the ground. So for me, Seeing you guys come to us at the lowest level at a combat outpost, you know, really told me that even though I still hate the army and I think it's fucked up and they just don't know how to operate, they, <laughs> they do adapt pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And for those that are still in, and if you're serving in different roles and support roles, remember, like, end of the day, you're supporting the infantry or
0: mm-hmm.
1: cap scouts or armor or whatever. You're supporting the ground force, you're keeping them safe. And I just wanted to give you guys, kind of go around to the three of you and kind of give you a, an opportunity to kind of talk about like the like any moment that comes to mind where you really felt like you you made like a real impact. And I'm sure that there's many, but just pick one.
0: Hmm. That's a tough one.
5: I think, I, I don't think it was necessarily any one thing. I think it's just being able to go out with you guys. Sure. Um, I could sense, I could sense the, uh, appreciation of us being out there. Um, and, and I, I mean, I don't know how the other teams were before us, but it seems like I got the impression that you guys were happy. We're there that it was like, yes, they're coming.
0: Yeah.
5: And, And, um, and then being able to, to do our job, like, um, shit, yeah, and IED is found, and then we're able to just take care of it and beyond I mean, I want to say most of the times we're done with it in five ten minutes. You know, it never really slowed the patrol down a whole lot. And yeah. it, yeah, it just seemed, seemed, to you know. So, I mean, kind of dodging your specific question.
0: No, you're fine. <laughs> I think,
5: I think, I think go, being able to go out there, patrol with you guys, and be that asset and, 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 um, doing what we're supposed to do out there.
1: What well, I'm sure it was visible. Like when like you walk into like our formation, right before we step off and we see that you're right. going with this, we're like, oh, okay, thank God. UD's yeah. Gone. <laughs> yeah.
5: And then, <laughs> and then like, I mean, I mean, I just remember the looks of people's faces when like, Hey, you do you get up here? And then I'm walking down there. Yeah. I, I always felt like I was pretty jovial about like, yeah, I get to do my job now, you know? <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, it's like, hey, there's a rock formation there, rock formation there. We need to clear this path so we can get through. Right on, dude. I got it. And we'll just, you know, I think we talked about it last time. You know, pull the mind probe out, start probing right across. It's like, all right, we're clear.
1: You do that all you want. <laughs> all of you. You can poke as yeah. many IEDs as you would like. I am yeah. not poking that. <laughs> That's why we got mine charges.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we gonna, we're going to have this discussion again, huh? <laughs>
1: All right, Mario, we're going to deviate real quick. Mario, what did you think about the fact that we got to make our own line charges?
2: Uh, I don't know if you can see what I just put in the yeah. chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, like
1: we we didn't use apobs, but so I guess a little background. We got permission from like way up on high to go to the SF compound. They taught us how to make field expedient line charges. So basically, a line of deck cord with a knot 4 about every 8 to 10 inches. And we were using those to clear across paths. But what we were really using it for was kind of like to do our own bips. And so we were we were basically the last, like, three months at the point were rolling around. If we found, like, a suspected IED, we just threw a line charge on it and blew it. So it gave uh, Russ, like, inseparable anxiety. So I was just kind of curious what you thought about a bunch of infantrymen running around with 20 pound but
5: you you know what they never did it when i was there
1: it's true
2: (laughs) you know on one hand i can't believe somebody thought it was a good idea to say yes to letting infantry figure out how to use special forces explosives or techniques.
3: That's hey, now. Hold on. I have one day of explosive. Training. I feel pretty qualified. We had burgers first, then we went to. Came back and we had.
2: I stayed have- at a Holiday Inn Express once. What word
3: do you want? We had Hello Kitty tape, so you know it was good. <laughs> SpongeBob, it was good stuff.
0: This
3: quality craftsmanship.
0: He's not making
1: that up. We did have Hello Kitty. It was you awesome. know. Like we had, like we had, like a box of C four, we're like sitting in our like platoon area, like balling up in little balls, and like wrapping it with duct tape. And
5: yeah, you know, I think when you guys left, I took that and disposed of it. It's gone.
3: <laughs> that was smart. One, three, <laughs> line charges. Is that what you're saying? Yep, exactly. <laughs>
5: As soon as you guys laughingly, like, hey, where'd they leave that box? Like, oh, it goes right here. Yeah, I need to take that. <laughs> and it's gone.
1: <laughs> it was good. You know, other than the fact that a few people decided to get a little extra and with how much C4 they put on their line charges, like a lot extra. And I'm oh, pretty wow. sure my TBI is from line charges, not from IEDs. I, I'll admit, it's, I'm sure it was a lot of fun. It was. <laughs> Hey, me, us our independence back. Right? We didn't need you. We have our <laughs> own line charges.
3: <laughs> it was therapeutic making those charges.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs> hey, yeah. you got, we laugh all we want, but at the end of the day, our actions, you're still here. Yep, so yeah. not a
1: single infantryman blew their own appendages off with the line charge that we made. So... Yeah.
3: Just saying. Wow. <laughs> a lot of technical jargon there. It seems like you're avoiding something. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but how many got sick eating it? Oh, wait, no, that's
3: Marines,
0: right?
1: <laughs> I am not saying that nobody ate a piece of C4 while line charges were being conduct- constructed. I cannot say that.
5: <laughs> oh, man. Too much. No
1: surprise there, really. Yeah, Uh, we. I don't don't think anybody had the balls to set any of it on fire, though. I think we were at least a little bit. Even though we knew you technically can, I don't think we were willing to test it.
3: So what
2: if you set it on fire and then hit it with a hammer? Would it go up? Yeah, Russ says yes. You are increasing the chance of shit going bad. Mm -hmm. That that's my answer. (laughs) I've always wondered what that
3: like. The heat and pressure, like.
2: Heat, shock, and friction. The more of those you put together and more, the more you increase the chances of it going boom. Okay.
5: It it burns real nicely.
4: I mean, if somebody hits you with a hammer, you'd probably get angry too, huh?
3: (laughs) (laughs) And if they set me on fire. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's,
0: That's fair.
1: Well, before before we go too far down the path of starting to uh, teach each other how to make better IEDs and explosives and how they work, uh, fuck you, ISIS. Not today. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll let Mario answer the original question that once we got off on our line, line charge tangent of a kind of a moment, and it doesn't have to be in Panjway. Just a kind of a moment where you felt like you kind of you know, made a difference. <coughs>
2: The, the main story that sticks out to me um, was clearing a palm grove uh, outside of Baghdad in 09, uh, I think. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an area amongst some farmland uh, that Al Qaeda in Iraq had used uh, as an area to build IEDs, uh, to train. Um, and basic, basic evil shit, you know, your standard stuff. Um, and over time they, they had protected it with IEDs and, um, put signs that said, you know, do not enter and stuff. Well, they left the area. They weren't there anymore, but all the farmers around in the area did not want to come in and use the farmland because it was rich and fertile in this palm grove, but they couldn't use it. So our team was part of a uh, planned clearance operation with uh, some Army engineers, uh, and uh, we spent about a week out there, uh, like nine propane cylinders filled with uh, uh, bad stuff, UXOs, IEDs, um, you know, normal stuff. But I'll never forget this is that when we were getting back in the jerve in our vehicle and driving off all the all the kids and the villagers from the area were can- coming out and walking through the fields and waving to us as we were driving by and they weren't waving to us like a lot of us have been you know the normal stuff or getting shit thrown at you or you know asking for stuff like the, these these people, these villagers actually came out because they appreciated being able to use their farmland again. Mm-hmm. So um, when I look at um, our role as EOD, um, I look at the impact that we have is very tangible, not just to U.S. forces or coalition forces, but to people and life in general, no matter where we go. Our job is to mitigate the effects of explosives and protect life and personnel and property. It doesn't matter what uniform you're wearing. It doesn't matter what skin color you're wearing. We're still trying to protect that life. And that was really important to me. So. All right, Sean, what about you? A moment
1: that kind of stands out.
4: Um, I mean, I, I guess for me, it was probably, I mean, a lot to caveat with what Russ said. Um, the, like doing stuff with big army outside of, you know, going to Spur Wingard, you'd always get this like, eh, mentality from like people of, like, eh, EOD, you know, like, eh, you guys are so slow, bro. Um, and I don't know, it was just cool. Cause I think it, I'm sure that there's other EOD teams that got to work super close with, you know, a group of dudes like you guys. Um, but, maybe for just the small amount of people that we got to work with out there in Spurringar, you know, maybe just like gave the EOD community a really good, like a really good look or a a change of um, like what, what we're really like and what we're really willing to do uh, to work with people.
1: Yeah. I mean, and both of those, you know, viewpoints, both yours and Russ's are absolutely true you know it definitely changed our perception um in terms of what we had read or seen in movies hurt locker for the win um <laughs> you know yeah you know, we that i mean there were there were so many experiences on that deployment with you know eud engineers handlers all that kind of stuff and it was just i think it was a really good experience for the guys that were on the ground because it was humbling it was, you know, obviously the infantry is the best and we're all grunts and you're all pogs and fuck everybody, right? But on that deployment we kinda had to dial it back because we like, okay, well, if EOD is going out on patrol with us and the dogs are going out on patrol with us, and the combat engineers are going out on patrol with us, and freaking goddamn it, our armor guys are going out on patrol with us, I guess there's a moment in time where we're all grunts. So <laughs> that was kinda kind of my my takeaway from that from a little bit and uh before we close it out this is the moment we've been waiting for the entire live stream favorite moment in the hurt locker sean you go ahead first favorite
4: moment i mean dude i had this thing with the pre-sons so uh like it sticks with me to this day um (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it definitely the what, what we'd already talked about. You know what I mean? Spit and rub, homie. Just spit and rub. <laughs> I, I I I get Capri Suns all the time, dude. Like when I was in the army, I'd like shove a whole box of them, you know, in like my ruck and stuff. Like it's yeah, that's probably it for me. It's the Capri Suns, right. baby. <laughs> what
2: about you, Mario? <laughs> um. Considering I initially watched this as a bootleg DVD a year before it came out in movie theaters, I actually watched this movie in Baghdad before it came out. So it's like a documentary for you. Yeah, 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 really. Uh, Three of us sat down. I remember getting this DVD. I made it through the whole thing. The other guy made it through the whole thing. My P3... Couldn't take it more than like 10-15 minutes. He's like, fuck this, and start to go play video games again. Were you excited uh, at first? We're you like, they like, finally made a movie about us. This is gonna be awesome. Or did you kind of No, 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 no. I don't I was not excited about Hurt Locker. Please don't ever refer <laughs> that's not even a thing. Out of context. Yeah, out yeah. <laughs> I was interested uh-huh. because I was like, what the fuck is this? And you know, you go to the normal Haji Mart in Mamedia, that's where I was. And yeah, uh my favorite part uh to get a little serious, the whole the whole movie pretty much sucked. It wasn't accurate. But the I think the most accurate part was the cereal aisle scene at the end. Mm. uh I can commiserate with that feeling coming (laughs) back multiple times, even to this day. I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just used to going and you put some mystery meat on there and something from a UGR and that's it. Yeah. So the fact that I have all those choices is surprisingly overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. So that's all I got. All right. Russ.
5: So, uh, well, Before I start. Mario, when were you in Baghdad? 2009?
2: Yeah, I was I was there from 08 to 09. Uh I was in Mamadia from January March, January to March in 09.
5: Okay. I think uh we got there in April of 09. So <clears throat> we were out of Liberty Camp Liberty.
2: And oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. We were so we were doing six month rotations. Yeah. Three were on Sather or the main base. Yep. And then the other three were on a fob. Mamadia yeah. that's down by Yusufia and Ludafia. Triangle of death, bad right. shit, you know, right. all that stuff. But
5: shit, we, our paths probably crossed back there too. Yeah. Anyway. If, you,
2: if you've ever heard of an EOD guy taking care of a phase placed IED on railroad tracks, with a with a train waiting on the outer cordon <laughs> that may nice. or may not have been me <laughs>
5: <laughs> nice
2: <laughs> uh, sweet. I mean do you stop the train i mean can can you really stop the train
1: you can oh, recommend this. the train stop
2: oh that Curtis, <laughs> that's a story for another time.'ll <laughs> <Right. laughs> be the next one <laughs> yeah <laughs> all
5: right, so back to your original question, so um. Favorite part
2: of Hurt locker,
0: yeah, Favorite, yeah,
5: or or I, most impactful, most meaningful, I, I, most I, motivational. I, I, guess, I guess, the most impact. I'm gonna go out of limb here. I'm I'm gonna expose myself and um,
0: hurt locker. I'm gonna movie.
5: diminish a little bit of my badassery on you guys. And the most do impactful. It. Don't <laughs> do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it's it's so funny though. <laughs> so the most impactful thing was remember there's that scene where he. Uh, there's the crowd watching. So he throws the smoke, and he goes yep. in, and nobody can see what he's doing. He does his shit. So we are in uh, up in Shawjoy. Uh, oh. Johnson wasn't with us yet, and we were we we're running an ID on Highway One, and to the north of us, like behind us, there was oh, five miles of traffic backed up, and two hundred people, one hundred fifty meters away, just watching. And on the other side the southern side of the cordon same thing mm-hmm. and um but we had some we had actually some uh concealment they there's like some trees and stuff so they couldn't really quite see but behind us they could see everything and I was like hey we should probably pop some smoke well <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't find the ied the robot couldn't we we're mounted so the robot couldn't find the id and so if the robot can't find it that's when Somebody has to go down and find it. So I get the bomb suit on, and I, as I, was like, you know, with all these people watching, we should throw some smoke just to kind of obscure. Because if it's command initiated, you know, we, we don't want them seeing things. And so we, uh, we, I think we grab purple <laughs> through the smoke, and we kind of wait for it to go, and it goes, and then it stops, and we're like, that's it. <laughs> like, that's, that's gonna do shit <laughs> and we're like dude that's just marking smoke they <laughs> were like oh well the movies show it like totally like smoke up they're <laughs> like oh that was stupid so we just went and
1: walked down there
5: but yeah it, it we're like the fucking movie showed it like totally smoke up <laughs>
1: Take your helmet off, and
5: move. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I was like, <laughs> that was dumb. So, exactly. I think the most impactful part was when he uh pops smoke and uh walks down on the IED. So, tur- turns out there's another uh buzzkill there, Stuart. It, it doesn't actually work that way.
0: Oh <laughs> man, that's two
5: <laughs>
2: Yeah, we found two locker. All right, if you're gonna run away from a detonation, <laughs> run backwards. <laughs> That's what. Yeah. That's the number one piece of advice I'm giving everybody. <laughs> and if you're going to use smoke
5: to cover your movement, make sure you use screening smoke, not a uh, marking smoke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're going to die comfortable. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> die comfortable. Exactly.
1: All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. What about uh, the Ross- sweet wagon? What about the? Well, go ahead, guys. So, what's up, Sean?
5: Oh, the little buggy that that the wheel broke, and he walks down there. Oh, I was I was I was
4: just gonna say what? Yeah, what about the little? Yeah, that's like that's pretty funny part too. You know, that, that is pretty funny. Hold on, right, we have to go fix the buggy. Right
5: in the <laughs>
1: beginning.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's that's a reason to walk up on it for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh my so, god,
3: that was little <laughs> did we know it was a prequel to the Avengers. Because of that Hawkeye and Falcon uh, yep, yep. before they became superheroes.
1: They were
2: both in that.
3: Yep. Wow. Where do you think they learned all those skills? EOD school. <laughs> That's
2: Coincidence? Right. I think not.
3: <laughs> oh,
5: man. These are too much.
1: Sean, did we ask you your favorite part yet?
4: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, first, first. I was make sure. I I just had a second one that came to my mind, you know,
1: That's okay. good too.
3: <laughs> got so many favorite moments. So,
1: so many for me personally, yeah. it's when they suddenly become special forces snipers, that, that yeah. for me.
2: Yeah. 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 Totally. With a they save an SAS
3: team.
1: Oh, you're right. It was SAS. Yeah. They were British. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know getting off base to go to brothels. Was that easy? <laughs> <laughs> remember that part?
1: I do remember or that. He part. just sneaks <laughs> off
2: base and walks right back and I'm
1: like, oh, "Yeah. What are you doing?" It's like, "Hey man, it's... ever heard of Oberg doll? You will." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Too soon, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Too, too huh. late? <laughs> too
1: late. Yeah. Oh, allow <laughs> Yeah, Stuart was in that unit, so it, he's the final judge whether that's appropriate.
2: Or oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: same uh, same brigade, not the same battalion. use ah. the five-or-worst. <laughs> <laughs> five <or worst.
1: laughs> nice. All right, well, guys, thank you so much. This has actually been one of my favorite. Actually, it is my favorite live episode we've done so far. It's just really informative, You a know, bunch of unique viewpoints. Some faces I have not seen in years. Mario, Sean, I see all the time. Russ, we used to get shooting all the time. But anyway.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much special forces snipers.
1: Basically.
0: <laughs> Basically.
1: Russ and I are way better shooters than we ever were in the military. Yeah.
0: Basically.
1: That's all. Basically. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> Navy Steel sniper rangers.
0: Yep. And <laughs>
1: Uh, but again, yeah, thanks guys for joining us. Like, thank you for yeah. offering your viewpoints. Sapper um, tab too then? Oh, I don't have a sapper tab. Yeah, no, just uh, mm. just super special forces sniper ranger, uh,
5: airborne,
1: airborne. Yeah, <laughs> no sapper. Sorry, yeah. I got, I got it out too soon. It wouldn't fit on my sleeve, so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh nice. but,
1: but yeah, thanks guys for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for uh spending your Friday evening with us to all our listeners and watchers. Thanks for uh joining us and through this. If you have any questions specifically for any of the the guys, Sean, Russ, or Mario, feel free to send us a message or put it in the chat and I'm sure they'll be happy to answer it.
5: Yep. Hey, and uh if anybody's listening to or YoD is recruiting pretty heavily right now.
1: So oh, yeah, what's what's the bonus? <laughs>
5: As tier 10 bonuses. I think I think E4s and E fives are getting like seventy-five thousand dollars max. Yeah.
1: American? And you guys are, and you actually have a s- American. <laughs> yeah,
3: American? <laughs> <laughs> uh, seventy-five thousand peso bonus. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
5: I'll take the taco option. Come join EOD. You'll have, a, E-O-D. you'll have a blast, I promise.
0: Oh. <laughs> Lo, oh, see me running keep up. <laughs>